welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the REC podcast where we're looking at all of the effects of COVID-19 on our economy, our society and our recruitment businesses and looking at uh, what's changing in the world and some of the paths through things like resilience and understanding government schemes for support that can help recruiters really navigate their way back to hopefully a bright future in the weeks and months to come. Today we're going to have a look at some of the different trends across different sectors that we we see amongst REC members. I'm delighted to be uh, joined this afternoon by two members of our REC team, uh, Tom Hadley our Director of Campaigns and our Membership Director, Kate Shusenrith. Lots to uh, pick up on with both of them, but I thought the jumping off point is really a blog that our Head of Research wrote recently uh, around what we're seeing in the labour market. And there's a kind of, the, the top line of that is really about a, a drop in overall demand, which you've obviously all seen in your own uh, businesses, but with key industries performing very strongly around healthcare and around uh, things like logistics and clear differences between sectors and regions. And today what we'd like to do is explore some of that. But before we start, I think we should take a quick look at what's happening just now. Uh, On Monday the 20th, we saw the opening up of the portal uh, for companies to sign up for the furlough scheme. Uh, Tom, uh, what are we seeing in terms of the latest developments on furlough? So it's gone live. We'll be taking ongoing feedback from members about how it's working in practice. Um, certainly our view is some of the examples in the guidance document around how you calculate uh, pay for, for agency workers. So for those members who are furloughing temporary staff, there is some helpful guidance in there. I think the biggest challenge for us is, is, is uh, as members know, is around accrued holiday pay. So that's an area we've had to take a judgment call on. We know it's an issue that members have to weigh up when they're deciding how many of their agency workers and temporary staff to furlough. So that remains one of the, you know, the question marks our members are having uh, to look at. But having said that, I think when you when you look back at where this all started, our biggest single message to government was to make sure that you reflect the, 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 the ecosystem of our jobs market, i.e. our jobs market isn't all about people in permanent full-time jobs. It's about freelancers. It's about people uh, who are independent professionals. It's about agency workers, contractors. And in reality, there has been a good recognition for the role that that part of the jobs market plays. And, that, and that, that's been a good thing. Probably wouldn't have happened five years ago. Thanks, Tom. I think that's right. And certainly uh, on the over the weekend before the launch of the, the portal, we did begin to see some clearer steers on um, holiday pay from the government. I think there's a lot to do to build confidence amongst recruiters on how you use the furlough scheme, because obviously people want to make sure that they will be paid before they pay out to temps. In fact, I was on the the BBC on launch day, uh, making exactly this point on behalf of REC members. And I think the more as the scheme goes on, the more clarity we can get for agencies about how to use the scheme, the more simple we can make it. Uh, the more we'll see temps beginning to benefit from from the scheme, as well as recruiters on uh, on staff. That's something that we are. Um, very aware of uh, at the RSC. I certainly, when I'm talking to people now, I see uh, I sort of present our role really as trying to clear as much of the fog around these big government interventions that the business organisations have managed to work with government to deliver, and we're going to keep at that over the yeah. uh, 
over the days and weeks to come. More generally, we're as we move into this middle period of the lockdown at the REC, we're uh, making sure we get our ear to the ground as well with members. Uh, now that many of the big government schemes are in are in market, as it were, making sure we're hearing the voices of recruiters across the whole economy. Uh, Kate, what sort of uh, major bits of feedback are we picking up on from uh, members around the country? I think first thing to say is there's no doubting that it's been a tough few weeks. But for the most part, the, the mood does seem to have changed a bit. So from an initial starting point of um, it's quite often despair um, because people's business and livelihoods were really, really at the point where people weren't sure how they were going to continue. Um, and we had some really tough stories from members and recruiters across the board. And what, what I've been so impressed with is uh, the last few days uh, and week or so, members have seemed to have rounded that corner and have come up fighting. So we've got high, high numbers of recruitment businesses that are furloughing their own staff. Um, and so the first concern has been about always how do you treat your own people? But they always see their temps and their agency workers as part of that extended family for the most part and wanting to know exactly how they do right by them. So the news that the portal was going to go live on the 20th of April was greeted with um, a real uh, popular demand um, and we're hoping that the site can bear the brunt of that. I think some of the frustrations are that there's not the ability yet to use it to um, to calculate your weekly and variable pays, which is obviously what we need for the temporary and agency workers. But even in those sectors where perhaps the demand has been strongest, even there, there's been some concern. So I was speaking to one member in the social care sector, which has got quite a lot of coverage recently. And for them, the, the level of unknowns about what's going on and how to support their temps has been just as difficult as it's been in sectors where there's perhaps not been the postings and the vacancies. So it is quite a mixed picture. But I think one of the things that's clear is that people have got to the point where they know that the end is in sight. And what they really want now is they want something that's uh, that's clear about what the back-to-work strategy is. How do we ensure we don't fall behind um, Europe as they start to open up and um, globally? But also knowing what to do if there's a relapse, if you like. And so what's the plan B around that? That's some of the themes that are coming through now. I think that's absolutely spot on, Kate, and, and certainly something that we refer, uh, received not only from the calls you and the team are doing to uh, members around the country, and we're trying to get in touch with as many as we can in this period, but also from some of the leaders of the largest businesses about uh, starting to think about how we normalise, even if we don't yet know when that will be. And, and certainly from my perspective, being able to tell the story of the sector and the difference it makes as we come back into normal business activity, it will be really important. But for today on the on the pod, we really want to focus on some of those stories about different sectors and what we're seeing. We thought we'd pick out three in particular where there are particular challenges that are, uh, that are maybe slightly different to many other sectors and just pick at some of what the REC is doing, some of what we're hearing from members uh, and explaining uh, some of the, cha- uh, the challenges that, uh, that still have to be faced. And Tom, I think the most obvious one at a time like this is healthcare, uh, where if we uh, look at uh, the healthcare market, I think many recruiters outside healthcare assume everybody's booming. Clearly, the picture is more nuanced than that. But also, it's an extremely challenging time in terms of making sure we're protecting locums and other temps who are going into healthcare environments. 
That's right. And I, and I think the, the, the big theme that we've seen right from the start of this crisis from the wider REC membership is that looking after staff and also the workers on your books being the main priority. And that's really, really strong in the healthcare sector. So we've all seen the stories around protective equipment, about access to, to some of the tests. And our message all along is we must make sure that temporary locum workers are looked after in the same way. And we, and we know that our members take that duty of care very, very seriously. So healthcare is the number one focus for that at the moment. But I think it's a theme actually that will cut across other sectors as well, especially when people start to go back into work. A lot of our members will have to think, well, what's what's the duty care? What sort of questions do I need to ask the end users to make sure that they've got the right uh, systems in place, the right protections in place for people returning to work across a number of sectors? So I think that duty of care to workers in healthcare is paramount. Incidentally, one of the things we also look at at the RSC is what's going to give our members a competitive advantage. And I think the good agencies who are really looking after their workers at this time of crisis are going to be the ones that really succeed after the crisis, bearing in mind that one of the biggest challenges across a range of sectors is finding the best and and, and the right amount of, of, of workers to, to, to get on your books. So I think that's certainly a big theme. The other thing in healthcare, which I think also you know will we'll start to cut across other sectors, is is that general feeding in that general theme of feeding into the, the longer term workforce challenges in different sectors and healthcare workforce challenges aren't new but one of the big debates post crisis is going to be how do we address some of these challenges we will be at the forefront of that debate as well as similar debates in other sectors what does the future workforce look like across sectors and our industry's role in helping to solve some of these challenges a great insight, Tom. And uh, thinking about how we protect people, I, uh, many of us uh, on the REC leadership team have uh, sat in on calls with, uh, with the other sector groups over the, la- uh, the last few uh, weeks uh, from across the whole economy. And that piece about how we protect workers on transport, energy, as well as healthcare, I think is really important. And it's great to see leadership coming from the sector. Now you see the initiative that ADECO and Manpower Group and Randstad have put together globally on a safe return to work. That's certainly something that's going to be at the forefront of the REC's thinking as we move towards the the end of the the lockdown. Uh, lockdown. And I, I do agree with you. I think that piece around staffing for the NHS and how we structure staffing arrangements, because I think we'll learn a lot from this unusual period, certainly about the effect of agencies working strongly together with uh, hospital trusts, where there's clearly so much great work going on in hospital tr- hospital trusts, you know, to have, have built the Nightingale Hospital and not to have filled it because of the additional beds that acute hospitals in uh, London have delivered is a real triumph for uh, for NHS leaders and many uh, REC members have been working with the NHS to staff those hospitals. But there's also a question about how we move on from, shall we say, what's been quite a, a confrontational approach to contracting for staffing in the in uh, the NHS through some of the uh, negotiations around uh, caps and around the frameworks and into something that's much more partnership based I mean Kate you've observed the uh, the public procurement angle for uh, for a while and do you sense that there might be an opportunity here for maybe a, a more cooperative relationship going forward? There should be the opportunity. Uh, I'm not sure that necessarily everybody's quite in the same space yet, but I think what's become clear is that um, there is that 
ability to work across um, multiple actors and to work in concert together. Um, mem members have been really appreciative of our efforts to bring um, members together in different forums, actually. So whether it's um, by some of our online meetings and forums or whether it's um, uh, via chats. Um, and and they, they, that sense of them wanting to work um, collaboratively to support the greater good is definitely there. So it's something that the public sector should reach out and use because that, that goodwill is going to last us quite a long time i'm going to need it um going forward so it's important yeah i think that's absolutely right and and certainly we're looking forward on uh, wednesday the 22nd to having our health and social care webinar where we'll be bringing together actors both from the nhs and all of our health and social care members just to explore what can be done to start to build that partnership. So big focus there on stronger partnerships, particularly looking at some of the things like improving payment practices. There certainly was a big risk a couple of weeks ago where agencies were supplying locums into hospitals and uh, and not getting paid, and that was stretching agencies to the limit. I think that has improved over the last couple of weeks and some of the government guidance would be really interested in feedback from any recruiters in the sector on that but that sense of that sustainable supply chain for critical industries is something that is true across a number of the sectors we're going to deal with today and tom i thought we might alight here on education a very specific set of challenges there of course because obviously schools are closed at the moment or largely closed at the moment but We've already seen over the weekend of the, 9th, of the 18th and 19th of April some discussion about what the time scale is for reopening. Yeah, and I think education is a great example of industry leaders thinking, what can we do at this time so that we can bounce back strong post-crisis? And, and for education, where one of the challenges is getting good supply teachers on your books, and members have been looking to say, how can we attract new people to come to our agency? And as part of that, I think another good example in education has been that pragmatic approach approach of us working with policymakers uh, to reflect the current crisis. And the most obvious example is relaxing uh, the need for face-to-face -face interviews when you're registering workers and making it uh, possible to just use online uh, video as a, when you're registering workers. So I think that was a good example of us working with policymakers to find a pragmatic way forward. And you're right, schools are, will, will come back in the next few weeks. There will be a big need for, uh, for teachers, for supply teachers. And I think agencies that have gone the extra mile to make sure they've got really good people on their books will, will be in a, a strong position when, when that time comes. There's definitely a widespread acknowledgement on the client side if we think about what we're hearing from the uh, Good Recruitment Collective, but also what we're uh, hearing from federations from other sectors on our daily calls, that we need to get used to a period where because of shielding and maybe some of the more limited lockdown me measures that hopefully we'll move into over the next month or two, the absence rates from the workplace are going to be higher than normal. Um, you know, Food and drink talk about going from sort of 7% on average to about 20% now. We know that within the NHS, obviously, absence rates are much higher than normal at the moment. That will create a greater demand for temporary labour and, and positioning the sector to be able to meet that need so that schools are functioning and so that hospitals for uh, are functioning after the immediate peak of the virus has happened is going to be super important. I think from our perspective, uh, there's a sort of developing agenda there, isn't there, Tom, around things like, you know, how do we handle DBS checks efficiently after the uh, after the lockdown ends? 
I think that's another good example. So will some of the technology-driven solutions that we're implementing at this time actually carry over? That, that's possible. I mean, there is a live question out to the part for education is if we've used online to, to, to do DBS checks at the current time, will we need to read those checks post-crisis possibly? But I think there'll be a wider debate about what have we learned and, and can we can we change things? Can we speed things up a little bit? So, so I think there will be an opportunity both in healthcare and in education to look at the process that sits behind recruitment and, and, and our voice at the forefront of making making things better, more efficient and, and faster. So I, th I think there will be a legacy, uh, certainly to some of the things that we've seen evolve over the over the current crisis period. And Kate, just picking up on that, um, if we think about recruiters in the education sector, clearly a uh, pretty brutal challenge initially when schools were shutting down. Uh, some help, I think, from uh, the uh, the government guidance that you should be paying your suppliers, although quite lumpily applied by schools across the country. Um, but then a great kind of potential upswing of demand when schools reopen, where, whenever that is. What sort of things are you hearing from REC members in the education sector uh, about how they're feeling and their big concerns? The main thing it's to be expected is it's the sense of unknown. So here we are nearing the end of April and, and the number of dates when schools could or could not be back is, is so unknown. Um, so having a clear exit strategy seems to be the number one concern. Um, yes, obviously, we, we need clarity and um, uh, and, we, and we need to make sure all the dangers have passed. But but there still needs to be some form of plan in place. And, and like I said before, there needs to be some, some form of contingency to that. Um, and the other bit that I think, going back to your earlier point around um, partnership working, is I think there's a real sense of wanting to work with the unions um, in the education sector on this, because this is affecting everybody. So, so we have members whose businesses are, um, are facing shortfalls of between 50 and 80% of their businesses have gone. Um, and so, so what have what we need to do now is we need to make sure that they've got everything that they possibly can so that when the uh, schools are back up and running, that the supply teachers are in the right place at the right time. Um, and that means that everybody's got to work in partnership on that. I think that makes a lot of sense. And you saw this morning sort of parallel requests, one from the CBI on a kind of national council for the return and, and one from the TUC, one more of a national council for reconstruction or kind of what the next stage is. And, you know, all the kind of geeky policy wonks are now talking about a new form of the social contract, which in reality means a new balance between uh, tax and regulation and uh, the roles of companies and trade unions. So I think it's really Really important that we at the REC are on the front foot in that and and certainly one of the discussions I've had with a lot of members over the last uh, few weeks is you know how do we talk about the good that the sector has been doing in this period uh, but also the good that the sector does generally and how we can kind of really lean in on that um, tagline of the REC that we make great work happen uh, in terms of what happens in the post-COVID-19 settlement. So we're already starting to think internally at the REC about how we build on that. 
The one other sector that I thought it might be interesting to touch on today is um, you know, kind of the food and logistics sector. Sector, Of course, food manufacturing is actually Britain's biggest manufacturing sector. Logistics critically important at a time like this. We're seeing lots of um, demand there and lots of really interesting approaches to meeting the needs of uh, employers. Uh, Tom, I know you've been talking to the FDF, uh, the Food and Drink Federation and others about this. It strikes me that we've reached a sort of plateau period where uh, people are feeling a bit more comfortable about um, the logistics and food supply chain being uh, stable, at least for the moment. I think that's right. And Kate mentioned some of the work we've been doing with trade unions. I think one of the themes that we've seen emerge over recent weeks is, is coalition building. And, and in education, there's been some great work we've done with trade unions in, in the food sector. It's been working with employer bodies to preempt uh, escalating need and finding new ways of resolving it. And, and one of the things that is very, very clear is our industry is at the forefront of helping transition people into sectors where there is a big demand. And that's something that obviously predates the crisis. Uh, but I think, again, I think that will be a legacy. We're really keen, incidentally, to hear from members who've got great examples of helping individuals move into new sectors. Uh, sometimes that means overcoming latent barriers. So historically, maybe employers have been reluctant to take people in if they haven't got experience of a particular sector, but the recruitment business being almost nudging things forward so that that, that, that sort of transition can happen. And I think the food sector is a great example of that. So our members have placed thousands of people into the food sector, really sort of averted a crisis in, in that area. Looking ahead, there are concerns over the need for, for agricultural staff uh, in, in the coming months. Uh, I think there's 80,000 needed, which is, again, why there's been planes coming over from Romania, bringing people over. That's perhaps going to be a slightly more uh, testing challenge, getting people into the, into the fields. But certainly in the food sector, people are a lot less worried than, than they were a, a few weeks ago. And that, in part, is down to the work recruiters have done in, in helping to fill some of those vacancies. Well, and I think there's some really interesting initiatives going around hitting that 80,000 as well, the kind of pick for, pick for Britain uh, ideas and yeah. some of the thinking about uh, redeployment, which uh, I've just been on a call this afternoon with the CBI about. Um, I, the, the challenge being here that the more we can do working together to address these short-term needs, uh, the more we can help preserve recruitment businesses, but also build the, up people's understanding of the role that the, sec- the sector plays. And I, I Personally, I feel that is really important to what the REC should be. So we'll, we'll keep at that. But in the, across those three sectors, I think you can see that story of how critical uh, recruiters are to some, some key industries and whether that's one that's in high demand at the moment in form of uh, healthcare or one that is in relatively low demand in the, uh, at the moment but is it may well be about about to bounce back like education so lots to do um i think what's pleasing is we are getting a really good hearing from government and in the media but also uh we're getting some great uh time from uh businesses in the sector who are as kate was saying earlier um really uh focused on uh on how we come back from this and I think that speaks to the optimism and the practicality of the uh, uh, of the recruitment and staffing sector, and it's something that uh, we at the REC are really uh, proud to uh, uh, to take on board as part of our uh, DNA as well. I want to thank Kate and Tom for joining us on the pod today. Thank you. Thank you, Neil.
and we'll be back soon with another episode. Remember, as always, to look at the REC COVID hub on the website as your first point of call. We've got as much as possible on there as we can. Kate, do you just want to uh, draw attention to any particular highlights? So we've made sure that we update the hub um, at least uh, once a day, if not twice a day. On the hub, people have been particularly using the template letters um, for furloughing. So I think they're really helpful resource um, to make sure that you've got the right template for whether it's your agency, contract staff, or whether it's your own employees. So look at those. Fantastic. And obviously, uh, standing behind that, uh, the legal helpline and the usual suite of REC support will keep putting things online. Uh, We're broadening the range of things that we've got on offer to members through the hub as well. So lots of exciting developments online from, from the REC over the next few weeks. And obviously, keeping the standard high representing the the sector and government, Tom, uh, I don't think I know a a busier period in terms of us uh, having uh, lots of senior level discussions with government. No, I think that's right. And then, as many of you know, we have formal partnership agreements with some government departments. I think it's uh, it's actually deepened our, our relationships with civil servants as well as at ministerial level. And I think that will serve as in good stead when we when we post crisis look at the road back for our jobs market and for our economy fantastic so we'll keep at it uh, because we know uh, you are all keeping at it in terms of keeping your businesses on a path for for what happens next uh, please do join us at uh, again on another edition of the rec podcast but for now stay safe and stay in touch with your rec thank you for listening we hope you found this episode helpful Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.